Hello, welcome to the IDEAS podcast. Inclusive, digital, educational, anti-discriminatory alternatives. You're listening to Module 5, Lessons from the Feminist Political Economy, Issues of Social Reproduction. Episode 4, Imagining a Feminist Workplace, Transformative Potential of Trade Unions. episode I will talk about how paid and unpaid women's work is shaped in capitalism, how it makes this unjust social and economic system survive, and finally, how to organize to fight it. We are in this together, facing exploitation day in, day out, both on domestic as well as workplace front. For centuries, women have invested their time, their work, knowledge, and creativity into someone else's profit. They were praised for it, as long as they kept quiet and submissive. It was never enough, though. We needed to be more productive, work more, and enjoy it also. We were told we actually love working for its own sake. We simply love being exploited at workplace. We love this boring, repetitive, monotonous work at home. We love cleaning, changing diapers, ironing, dishwashing. We love to sacrifice for loved ones because we are women. And it is in our nature. We are told the work itself will bring joy, fulfillment, meaning, even pleasure. At least that is what those we make profit for are advertising. Since forever, the ownership class lived off their wealth, of other people's work. Strangely enough, They did not seem to be aware that work can actually bring joy and pleasure. They simply enjoyed a work-free existence. A major shift occurred maybe half a century ago, as author Sarah Jaffe writes, when the ruling class started working in greater numbers. That shift had had a significant impact on the way all of us, the working class, were supposed to be understood and accept longer working hours and round-the-clock availability to our boss. It became unbearable. Today, let's get some inspiration for a collective action against it. Let's take a moment and think about where we are now. It is more than two years since COVID-19 pandemic outbreak. With the war in Ukraine and global geopolitical reshaping as we speak, Living costs rising on a scale envisaged only a while ago, we might have assumed potential for workers around the world to organize and fight would be more significant. Their achievements too. Sadly, this is not the case. International Labour Organization estimated 52 million full-time jobs are lost in the pandemic. Currently, more than 207 million people worldwide don't have a regular job. That, however, does not mean they are not working. It is especially true for women. And when women do have a paid job, it is mostly in service and care sector. Women account for two-thirds of workers in health sector, including 85% of nurses and midwives. Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development OECD 
data show that 90% of long-term care workers are women. In the pandemic, for instance, that would mean women are more exposed to infections and more likely to have health issues. On the other hand, unpaid care and domestic work increased during this crisis. That has an impact on working women's lives and their well-being. According to the same data source, in OECD countries, women on average spend two hours per day more on unpaid work than men. That gap is highest in Japan, Korea and Turkey, with 2.5 and 4 hours more respectively. But even in countries such as Sweden, Denmark and Norway considered gender equality champions, it is still one hour per day. As it is well known and well documented, capitalism relies on paid as much as unpaid work. In 2018, it was estimated that 16 billion hours spent on unpaid caring every day would account for tenth of the entire world economic output if paid at a fair rate. According to UN Women report, women on average spent nearly the equivalent of a full-time job doing unpaid childcare a full working day a week more than men. And yet the idea of, quote, wages for housework, unquote, promoted in the beginning of 70s by feminists such as Maria Rosa della Costa and Silvia Federici remains a pretty marginalized concept. In short, wages for housework is an idea, a movement and a campaign that has drawn the attention to social reproduction and gendered labor relations. It served as the beginning of important discussions on the nature of women's work and our contribution to capitalism thriving. The overall goal was to influence and change power relations and redistribute the wealth those workers, mainly women, produced. The movement stood for recognizing the political potential of unpaid housework and making it a case for overcoming exploitation based on gender and class. In the center of the debate was the issue of social reproduction. This theory, the social reproduction theory, shows how, quote, production of goods and services and the production of life are part of one integrated process, unquote. If the formal economy is the production site for goods and services, the very producers, the people, are themselves produced outside the formal economy, so to speak, at very little cost for the capital. If workers produce commodities, who does then produce workers? In the words of Titi Bataciaria, social reproduction theory is about social processes that produce labor power as commodity. Labor power is reproduced in three interconnected processes. One, by activities to regenerate the work outside the production process and allow her to return to it. These include food, bed to sleep, but also care in other ways that keep a person whole. Two, by activities that maintain and regenerate non-workers outside the production process. Those who are future or past workers, such as children, adults out of the workforce for every reason, old age, disability, or unemployment and by reproducing fresh workers, meaning childbirth. 
these activities, which form the very basis of capitalism in the way they reproduce the worker and are done completely free of charge for the system by women and men within the household and the community. Key to understanding the social reproduction is acknowledging that production of goods and services and the production of life are part of one integrated process. Oppression and exploitation serve one master and one master only, the capitalism. Since these relations in most cases occur in the family, it is important to talk about it and confront its patriarchal and capitalist nature imagining different power structures. But it is not only about family. It is also about public functions, public socialized services, such as healthcare, water resources, access to clean air, green public spaces that shape existing power relations. In that sense, it is possible to disrupt it. In the course of the debate on social reproduction, it is essential to recognize that reproductive work, which care is a part of, is crucial to human existence. Care work is gendered, performed mostly by women, not because of our nature, not because we like it, not because it is what we do out of love and for the sake of love for our partners, parents, children, but because it is a result of social and economic relations within capitalist society. It is therefore our task to continue reimagining different power relations. It is what we are here to do today, tirelessly work on overthrowing the system. And we can't do it individually. In that fight, we are not and should not be alone. It is possible to imagine living where no rules of subordination and exploitation define our horizons, navigate our lives and set limits to our potential. It was not that long ago that our collective struggle changed the course of history. If capitalist power relations depend on unpaid women's work, it is precisely women who can and eventually will confront it. Maybe it already started with women's strikes, with the one on the streets in the United States, or one on Iceland in October 1975, Recently, starting in 2016, women's strike is connected with Poland, where women stood against abortion ban. And many of us followed their lead, as it was the case throughout history. An important part of acknowledging our feminist struggle is that work should not be the center of our life. Our work does not define us. It does not give meaning to our human existence. We must refuse this type of essentialism as much as we refuse the one thing that brings women down to mother, wife, housekeeper, caregiver, etc. We must continue refusing subordination to these forces of the unjust economic and social system. Capitalism and social reproduction are interconnected, but there is a crisis tendency As political philosopher Nancy Fraser wrote, capitalism relies on social reproduction. It is completely dependent on it. Social reproduction is, in Fraser's words, a condition of possibility for sustained capital accumulation. On the other hand, that very accumulation tends to destabilize the processes of social reproduction since it relies on caring for young and old, maintaining households, community building, sustaining shared meanings, 
That and much more is in capitalism done out of the market, or at least majority of it is done outside the market, in households, neighborhoods, informal organization, civil society. Social reproduction is an indispensable background condition for the possibility of economic production in a capitalist society. Economy of care is necessary, but economy of care is also disruption. As long as women are the majority of those who perform it, our demands should be a cause of collective political action. Socialist feminist Dorothy Smith conceptualizes work as various kinds of unpaid emotional and social labor. Quote, anything done by people that takes time and effort that they mean to do, that is done under definite conditions and with whatever means and tools and that they may have to think about it, unquote. In that sense, we talk about paid or unpaid work for an employer, everyday life work such as household or caring responsibilities, as well as activist political work. Such labor includes emotional labor, which involves, quote, caring for others who are ill, disabled, upset in crisis, or just the everyday work of recognizing and empathizing with moods of the others. Unquote. This unpaid and invisible work is not only gendered, but is also racialized and a matter of class, according to the structures of white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. Structural inequalities demand women to work extra hard to be taken seriously, and sexist and other forms of harassment and prejudice require time and care to live through. Let me be clear. I don't want to work hard, and I don't want you to have to do that either. But I'm also aware that current conditions will never change without us intervening. Now we decide on our work schedule, on our working hours, on what we do and how. We usually don't have control over our wages. That is, we don't at this moment. For that to change, we must organize and fight back. Labor unions political organizations, for that matter, make perfect places of struggle and resistance. While significance and even revolutionary potential of labor unions have been decreasing over years, it is with the recent COVID-19 crisis and all the implications of it that our negotiating power, that is labor unions, and us as their members, became more important. We must seize the moment. Labor unions are to become places of feminist fight. No bosses, no hierarchy, no demands coming from those above. No work that can be done collectively with mutual respect and sharing. We must occupy the institutions and we must seize the technology. It is with the rise of artificial intelligence, automation and digitalization that humans look into the future not necessarily defined by everyday, repetitive, and exhausting work routine. What we do now can and will be replaced by machines, and it is with joy we accept it. It is possible to imagine a different, more human-centered care work. It is possible to imagine human-centered education, health service, food production, and transportation. 
It is possible to imagine our lives without competition, without dependence on market, without a boss. It is possible to imagine a world that does not rely on unpaid women's work, to think of the world where women's work is valued. It is possible to imagine a post-capitalist world, and it is worth fighting for. Against most predictions, and into the third pandemic year, not much, if anything, has changed in the way global economy and work relations function. After that initial shock, global power holders regrouped soon enough and developed resilience methods that keep and still keep workers in pretty much the same powerless position. Remember how we used to gather on balconies singing and applauding our nurses, cleaners, drivers, and platform workers? In that brief moment, it was perfectly understandable. It made perfect sense to acknowledge their contribution to smooth functioning of our public services. It was indeed that rare moment when everyone, liberals and privatization pundits included, realized that in times of crisis and extraordinary events, our societies simply cannot function without care and health workers. All those employed in essential sectors, yet grossly undervalued and underpaid. It was perfect timing for essential workers, majority of whom are women, to demand better wages and working conditions to improve their status within the capitalist reality. However, that still didn't happen. Capitalist mode of production is, it seems, more resilient than ever. But so are women, right? This episode is to serve as a motivation for further exploiting potential of collective organizing via trade unions and informal feminist workers' collectives in leading the change that will benefit us, who are the 99%. We are in the midst of a great transformation. That is the mantra of our hour. Ever since the COVID-19 outbreak in early 2020, a new set of rules has been put in place, transforming our societies, the very social contract we live within. Is this the point in time so different than all the others? More than 100 years ago, when women were fighting for decent work conditions, and for eight-hour workday that up to that point was beyond imagination. It is precisely what we should do today, collectively engage in imagining the unimaginable, thinking about the unthinkable, and refusing to participate in quote-unquote business as usual, which is what we are told to do. Nowadays, we are encouraged to live in the moment, to embrace reality by creating individual, parallel safe spaces, and in no case to engage in any disruptive activities. Women are not supposed to demonstrate any kind of unrest at the workplace, and they are to exercise same obedience at home. In most cases, women's subordination is twofold. They're subordinated to the employer and to their husbands, partners, regardless of their economic status. Economic independence of women in capitalism has not liberated or emancipated them. Work, paid work, and unpaid reproductive work as well is a disciplinary apparatus. 
as Kathy Weeks rightly says. In neoliberal regime, it produces privately appropriated surplus value, but political and social subjects as well. Work relations is where class identities are made and remade, and wage relation generates not just income and capital, but disciplined individuals, governable subjects, worthy citizens, and responsible family members. Nature of both domestic and paid work is gendered. That is where it is produced and reproduced. That is where gender hierarchies are created and recreated all over again. And that is where, under current circumstances, no change is happening. But no change will ever happen in capitalism unless workers unite. You might think this is pure theory, but actually it's not. Since global financial and economic crisis in 2008, from the Occupy movement in the United States to climate change protests all over the world, from school strikes for climate initiated by Greta Thunberg in Sweden, clean clothes campaign in Asian garment industry, Black Lives Matter, a new generation of left activists and trade unionists stand together, defending basic human rights of workers, defending thus women's autonomy and their future. However, we should be bolder, more engaged. We should be dreaming bigger and start reimagining, reinventing our workplaces. Workplace should be a place of emancipation, not of domination and subordination, hierarchy and exploitation. For such a workplace, a sort of feminist one, a major shift in class relations is essential. As long as there are those that profit on someone else's work, no real change can happen.